corporation itself that has the CDA, not the individual. And a, a CDA, it's a notional account. So it's not like a checkings or savings account. You can't put money into it. It's only an account that can have a credit towards it. For, if the policy is worth $2 million at life expectancy, the credit would be for $2 million. Stigma, there's a certain understanding of life insurance, and a lot of people think of it just as if I were to pass away, I want to take care of the family, make sure they're okay, the mortgage is paid, that sort of thing. And although that's that's true, and, and you need to have that coverage that's critically important, there's so many other benefits to a life insurance policy, and especially when it's corporately owned. Uh, I always, you know, almost joke if, if it was called corporate insurance, how many more people would maybe want to buy it? So there's really there's four primary ways you can get a credit and the first would be what's described as the excess of non-taxable portion of capital gains over the non-allowable portion of capital losses. So what this means is just kind of like simplify this. If you had a, a stock portfolio and there were capital gains to pay, well we all know that of, of the growth, half is taxable and the other half is non-taxable. So the non-taxable portion will actually credit your CDA. financial health doc welcome to the financial literacy podcast for healthcare professionals where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo okay so welcome back everybody to this uh, podcast this is Vukia Tran and I am your host for how is my financial health doc podcast so I am excited delighted, anxious to talk to Michael uh, today. So I have with me a good friend and an expert, Michael Dutra, uh, who's a certified financial planner. You know what, Michael, that's that's the only thing I am good at. I can say those three words with a lot of confidence, but <laughs> I am sure that you are more than just those three letters. Please explain to the audience what you do and in your own words, because you probably going to do better justice than I will. I, I appreciate the kind words, Zoo. Uh, you're right. So I have, I guess, nine letters next uh, to my name on the business card. And, and CFP, or Certified Financial Planner, is one of them. Um, I'm also a Charter Life Underwriter, uh, which is essentially a specialist with life insurance and business owners. And then I'm also a trust and estate practitioner, so dealing with the estate planning side of things. So um, the core of my planning revolves around corporations, hold coast, trust, incorporating life insurance, minimizing taxes, working with medical professionals, and uh, just kind of incorporating all these variables to come up with a really good plan for an individual or, or a family. Perfect. I think that's very important because you mentioned something. You have a TEP, a TEP, uh, and you kind of you kind of said it really fast, but it's important. It's a, it's a very powerful designation because it helps people like myself, uh, physicians and other people to truly plan for retirement. That's what that designation is about. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I, it's very valuable. Uh, it comes in handy uh, all the time, the knowledge that I've learned from getting that. And um, yeah, whenever I'm working with 
lawyers especially there's a lot of many lawyers are teps as well so we kind of are able to talk the same lingo and um yeah it just shows a commitment to the craft i would say as well yeah and and the reason why i put a a, a bit of em emphasis on the tep is because what we're going to talk about today is truly for that part of our financial life um the retirement the estate planning part of our financial life you know, physicians, dentists, lawyers, you know, we do the same. We work crazy hours to make the money, uh, but we don't truly know what to do with it afterwards. We don't really know how to plan properly for that, you know, day when I no longer want to work or no longer can work. And what do I do at retirement? Uh, and what do I do, you know, when it's time to talk about the estate? And right. so the topic we're going to talk about today really addresses that. And it, it's about the capital dividend account. Now, this three words, capital dividend account, which we also call CDA, is something that people throw around all the time. Um, but I'm not sure people understand. What, what are your comments about that? What, what do you see in your practice? So I would say in my experience, the CDA, the capital dividend account, is one of the most, unfortunately, unknown planning opportunities that anyone with a corporation has. And um, I've kind of, I've always thought about why is this so underutilized? Why is this so um, kind of under the radar? And it's too bad because it is extremely helpful to understand what a CDA, CDA is, how to get a credit, and then what that can do for you from a, a tax savings perspective um, with pretty much everything inside your corporation. So it's uh, something that needs to be explained, but when it when it is explained, it, it's a no-brainer as to why you'd want to credit your CDA to your corporation. I I was one of them for sure. Uh, I've heard about the CDA many years ago, and it's like it's like hearing about oh you know this animal in the Arctic you know and and it kind of yeah. just passes by. Yeah. And then you hear it a second time and say CDA. This sounds interesting. I I yeah I I think I know right. Yeah. yeah. And then it's not until the third time that you explained it in a different way that it hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, and when it hit me like a ton of bricks, that's when I said to myself, wait a minute, how come I didn't know this before? And that's why I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today, because we're going to dive into this. And I hope that I can share with the audience the same excitement that you shared with me when I finally understood <laughs> the CDA for real. And yeah. so I'm hoping that the audience get the same excitement I will today. I, I hope they do too. Perfect. So let's just start with that. Let's just start with, okay, what is a CDA? How do we even create one? So does Dr. Wu Tran can have a CDA? Or is it only Dr. Wu Ketran Medicine Professional Corporation? How does it work? Great question. So it's the corporation itself that has the CDA, not the individual. And a, a CDA, it's a notional account. So it's not like a checkings or savings account. You can't put money into it. It's only an account that can have a credit towards it. Um, sometimes it, it doesn't even show up on the balance sheet. It might be included in the footnotes or something like that, but it's not even often in the financial statements, um, but it is a notional account. And the, the power behind it is if there's a credit to your CDA, and we're, we're going to discuss how you get these credits and go through some examples, but 
high level, if there's a credit to your CDA, you have a corporation and you have a million dollar credit to your CDA, that means you're able to take out of the corporation a million dollars worth of assets on a tax-free basis. So cash, for example. Can you imagine having a million dollars in cash in your corp and being able to take it out entirely tax-free in the form of a capital dividend? Um, it's, I mean, the amount of tax you would save is significant versus doing it the other way, just paying yourself a dividend of a million dollars. You know, you're losing nearly half of that uh, in taxes. Right. So whatever asset or whatever funds I take out of my corporation, it will be taxed accordingly, obviously. Right. But if I have a CDA and credit in my CDA, so you gave the example of a million, but it could be 2 million, it could be 3 million, it could be 10 million, whatever that amount is. What you're saying to me is if I want to take assets out of my corporation and I do have credits in that CDA account, that I can take that money into up to that credit amount without being taxed. So that if I had a credit of 10 million, I can take up to 10 million from my corporation without being taxed. 100%. And can you now, imagine how much tax you'd pay on 10 million in a, in a regular dividend, right? Absolutely. So that's powerful. That's extremely powerful. And I did not understand that until you explained it to me the third time. And you explained it in a very, very different way that others people didn't do the same. So I couldn't understand what it was. Mm-hmm. So now we know that it's a notional account. We know that the, the it builds up credit. And we know that we can take funds out of the corporation uh, up to that limit without being taxed. So right. now we know what is a CDA account. So the next question is, how do I get one? <laughs> do I do I get <laughs> yeah. it from Michael? Where, where do I go? Call the CRA? How do I get a CDA account? Right, right. Um, well, I mean, the CDA account has been around for a a very very long time. It's it's nothing new. Um, there's nothing a, a business owner specifically you know has to file or anything. It's it's all based on a, a set of kind of four qualifications. Okay, so I wanted to start off, the the first two points that are about to come up are directly from the CRA website. So this is really an explanation of the CDA, but but word for word from the CRA website. And what the first uh, sentence says is the CDA keeps track of various tax-free surpluses accumulated by a private corporation. These surpluses may be distributed tax-free in the form of a capital dividend to the corporation's Canadian uh, resident shareholders. So basically it's saying if there's a credit towards the CDA, assets can come out on a tax-free basis. Now to your question, Vu, how do you get this credit, right? Like what's the secret behind this? What's the magic? So there's really those four primary ways you can get a credit. And the first would be what's described as the excess of non-taxable portion of capital gains over the non-allowable portion of capital losses. So what this means is just to kind of like simplify this, if you had a a stock portfolio and there were capital gains to pay, well, we all know that of of the growth, half is taxable and the other half is non-taxable. So the non-taxable portion will actually credit your CDA. So even if you sold a property, for example, and it was worth a million when you bought it and 2 million when you sold it. So there's a million dollar capital gain, 
half of that becomes taxable, so 500,000, but the other 500,000 that isn't taxable will credit the CDA. So now you have a $500,000 credit towards your CDA. Got it. The second point is uh, capital dividends received from other corporations. So in a scenario where you have an operating company connected with your holding company, and perhaps the opco gets a credit to its CDA, it can pay tax-free capital dividends to the hold co and essentially almost transfer the balance of the CDA because they're connected. So that's something to consider as well for people with, with opcos and hold co's. The third point, similar to the first point, we're dealing with the non-taxable portion of a capital gain, but this is regarding eligible capital property. So really things that are not physical. This could be a considered goodwill, for example. There's value in goodwill, um, licenses, things like that. So things that aren't exactly physically tangible, but uh, have value to them. And again, it's, it's the non-taxable portion that would credit it. And then why we're talking today, it's the life insurance. So the definition is the net proceeds of a life insurance policy received by the corporation as a beneficiary under the policy minus the ATP. So when a, life, when a corporation owns a life insurance policy, it's very important the corporation is also the beneficiary. So when the owner passes, the money gets paid tax-free to the corporation. When the money is paid tax-free to the corporation, this is when the CDA credit um, exists. And based on this formula, uh, it, depending on the type of insurance policy as well, there might be an ACB, uh, and that's just deducted from the life insurance. But we're going to get into some real examples and real numbers of, of how that works out. But basically, life insurance gets paid to a corporation, and there's a CDA credit that exists. And from an estate planning perspective, you're going to save a, a lot of money, a lot of money. So let me just put that into more concrete examples right now, simple examples. I know you'll show us more detailed examples. Sure. So um, my MPC owns, let's say, a life policy, whether it's term or whole life, doesn't matter for now. Right. Uh, it's a $1 million death benefit. Okay. okay. So at time of my passing, the life insurance pays that $1 million to my corporation. Yep. Tax-free. Yes. And now from my corporation, it goes to my estate. How does it go to my estate? It goes through this CDA account. Is that correct? That, that's correct. So um, in a scenario where perhaps the corporation isn't staying open uh, after you pass and you're, you're collapsing it, then the million dollars would just come back out of the corporation tax-free and ultimately into the hands of the beneficiaries, your family, that sort of thing. Right. Now, the reason that happens, and again, I just want to click the link between all of it, the reason that happens is because when I purchased that life insurance at a death benefit of $1 million, mm -hmm. my corporations get a $1 million tax credit on that CD account. When my, when my MPC now transfers that asset out of the corporation into the estate, mm -hmm. because it had that credit of a million, it now can take that million out tax-free. That's exactly. how I understood it. Am I wrong? Am I right? No, you're, you're right. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And then we'll get into a few examples where perhaps the corporation is staying open. Maybe there's adult children who are shareholders or it's an active company and it has to stay open. And there's some huge benefits to that scenario where it's not closing down. And maybe the cash is needed in the company to be used for other things, but you still have that credit. So not only did you just get a million dollars tax free to the corp to 
perhaps continue with survival or there's a whole bunch of reasons we'll get into, but now you can still take out a million dollars tax-free and you can do it over 10 years, for example. The credit doesn't go away. So you could take out 100,000 in tax-free dividends for the next 10 years as an example. Correct. So it also means that I don't have to die to take benefit of that CDA. So um, am I right or wrong when I say, let's say I have a, a life policy that is a million. So I got a, a credit of a million in that capital dividend account. Mm -hmm. If I decide to take 100,000 out, like you said, uh, do I take that out after my death or can I take it out before my death because the credit is already there? Or is the credit only applied when the shareholder who owns that policy passes away? To your second point. So the credit only exists when the life insured passes away, which would be the shareholder. So there's there's no credit from the life insurance death benefit prior as, as the individual is alive. It's on the passing. Um, now, the other three points that I mentioned on the screen here, talking about the non-taxable portion of capital gains, those are credits that would apply while the individual is still alive. Got it. Got it. So another question. So if I have uh, uh, not a not a term life, but a permanent life, mm -hmm. and so the death benefit is one million dollars, mm -hmm. but the cash value is let's say three hundred. Yeah. So is the CD account credited to one million, or is it accredited to one point three million? It no. So it, it's always to the the death benefit, which would be the million. Now, in a scenario where there's a cash value of three hundred thousand. And the shareholder passes away, and you know, quote unquote, didn't get a chance to use the three hundred thousand. That gets converted into life insurance, so there's no loss there. Okay. So that three hundred thousand so, will purchase will purchase the life insurance. So the credit could be for would be for the million or whatever that total value of the policy is, uh, considering they didn't touch the cash value. Right. So what you're saying is, the a time of passing. If that death benefit was one million and the cash value was now one point three, the the credit is one million, but not one point three million. The life insurance, but if you if you pass away without touching the cash value, there's um, like a dividend payup of how much that cash value is worth in life insurance dollars. So the total payout of the policy. You wouldn't just add 300,000 plus a million. It, it, there's a bit of a factor involved to come up with the total life insurance, but it's essentially whatever the total life insurance payout is, that would be the credit. Now, depending on the policy too, you talked about term and whole life. Um, term insurance, if it's a million dollar term and you pass away day one or, or 20 years down the road, you're gonna get a million dollar credit. Uh, a permanent life insurance policy is a little bit different where if you live to life expectancy in your mid eighties, as an example, the credit would be for the full amount of the life insurance. But in the earlier years of the policy, the credit will be a little bit less than the actual life insurance payout. So the life insurance payout might be 1.3 million, but the CDA credit might be 1 million. And as the years go on, the credit is going to increase on a yearly basis until it reaches exactly what the life insurance benefit is. Right, so assuming that the person who purchased this life insurance is living till, you know, expectancy 84 years old. Yep. And the life, the death benefit was 1 million, but the cash value now has built up to, let's say another million, uh, as an example. Uh, 
-hmm. So the the payout is just for simplicity two million. Yeah, yeah. So is the credit to the CDA one million or is the credit to the CDA two million? The credit would always be for the for the total amount at life expectancy. Right. So we're talking about two million at this point in in this example. In this example, high level speaking, yes, it's going to be for the total amount if the policies for if the policy is worth two million dollars at life expectancy, the credit would be for two million. Got it. Okay. Sorry to ask you all these questions. No, no, something no. I needed to get straight in my mind. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so now to put this, because this is powerful. This is really powerful. You imagine that you now all of a sudden have two million credit sitting in this dividend account, mm -hmm. which means that as a shareholder or as the estate, you can now take two million dollars out, a hundred percent tax free. Yep. So I believe you have a few examples of how this could be done. But I wanted the audience to understand the power of this CDA account. It's three simple letters, but it's quite powerful. So we'll get into uh, some of the examples that show some, some real numbers. Um, so in the first scenario, so really, you know, you're transferring assets tax-free out of your corporation to your estate and family. So let's just say you had a corporation, you had two properties in there, each worth a million dollars and half a million dollars in cash. And this was your scenario and, and someone passed away uh, with these assets in the court. High level speaking, to take two and a half million dollars out of a corporation, you're looking north of a million dollars plus in taxes to take out two and a half million dollars worth of assets, okay? It's a big tax bill. Whatever the exact number is, it's a massive tax bill with, I would say, minimal planning because there was a lot of cash which wasn't really utilized you know, you could leverage properties or things you could have done in this scenario to, to really make that million dollars much, much less. So in the next scenario, the next slide, we'll have the same assets in the corporation. But from a planning perspective, if we talked with this individual and said, listen, it doesn't make sense to just pass away with cash. There's, there's a far more valuable use of this money um, that we could kind of take advantage of. So if this individual slowly dripped this 500 grand into a whole life policy over the years, maybe over 10, 15, 20 years, they started putting a little bit towards a whole life policy. And number one, they're converting their cash into non-taxable growth. So the cash is now increasing in value in the cash value within the whole life policy. You're not paying tax on any of the growth. So that's, you know, a great kind of number one. Uh, number two, let's just say this policy ended up being worth $2 million at life expectancy. So now this individual passes away, they've turned half a mil to $2 million, and it's a $2 million tax-free payout to the corporation. So step one, $2 million gets deposited tax-free, and now it's sitting inside the corporation. Now, step two, this red line that's going to show up, let's just imagine this as your CDA credit. So now this corporation not only just received $2 million tax-free, but there's also a $2 million credit towards the CDA. So this means, I mean, of course, $2 million of assets can come out on a tax-free basis. Now, in the scenarios we've talked about, if the corporation was closing, you would take the $2 million of life insurance out, it would come out tax-free, and you know you save a lot of money. In a scenario where the corporation is still staying open, there's a, a huge uh, value added to um, kind of this scenario, which I'll walk through. So... Um, and I have the word corporate insurance pop up and just kind of one point on this, uh, 
sometimes I wish I could almost rename life insurance. And I say that because there's a, I don't know if it's a stigma, there's a, a certain understanding of life insurance. And a lot of people think of it just as if I were to pass away, I want to take care of the family, make sure they're okay, the mortgage is paid, that sort of thing. And although that's that's true, and, and you need to have that coverage that's critically important, there's so many other benefits to a life insurance policy, and especially when it's corporately owned. Uh, I always, you know, almost joke, if, if it was called corporate insurance, how many more people would maybe want to buy it? If they said, you know what, I want that corporate insurance, I want the CDA insurance, I want capital dividend account credit insurance or something like that. Right. Um, sometimes the name of it kind of plays with people's heads a little bit. Um, so I always kind of make light of that, but sometimes I do wish I could rename it. Well, you know, the traditional thinking of life insurance is really death insurance because people get the money back after they die. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the traditional way of seeing life insurance, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's only just one way of seeing life insurance. And what you're proposing here is just looking at it from a different angle, a different vantage point. But unfortunately, people don't know this. And, you know, I keep saying this, you don't know what you don't know. And so mm -hmm. when you don't know that this exists and you don't know that this is possible, you only think of life insurance as death insurance. So I'm kind of happy that you use the name corporate insurance because it's still life insurance. You just named it differently for a yep. different usage. Yeah, exactly. It's just looking at it in a, in a different light and what it can do. Absolutely. So please go on. So let's just say there's a scenario where the corporation is going to remain open. Um, so I just have a list of some of the things that I've discussed with my clients or what some people plan on using the life insurance for um, when the corporation is staying open. So perhaps, I mean, it's an active company. Maybe you have payroll and staff. And if the president or the owner passes away, I mean, you don't want the company to, to go under overnight. So sometimes cash is king and, and an injection of tax-free cash in the corporation uh, can play a huge role in, in its sustainability of the corporation. Uh, maybe there's expenses like rent. Maybe there's loans and debts to pay off in the company. Uh, like I said, you can make adult children and grandchildren shareholders and maybe use the life insurance to pay them future dividends, buy additional properties, you know, start a foundation, make a donation. It's essentially a tax-free loan to the business with the opportunity to take out assets on a tax-free basis as well. So it's extremely powerful to understand this account and, and just what a corporate loan policy um, can do for you. Now, we talked on the previous podcast that we did together about IFAs. So for the listeners listening, I would recommend, uh, you know, listening in on that podcast. But I wanted to show one slide which incorporated the IFA with the CDA credit. And um, the IFA is really a borrowing strategy to leverage your own life insurance uh, to borrow back to minimize the cost of the premiums and uh, again the previous podcast we go into detail but i'll give you a, a really neat example so if you had your corporation and you had a million dollar life insurance policy and you were borrowing back against the cash value to minimize your actual out-of-pocket expense so let's just say you borrowed back three hundred thousand dollars in total premiums over the years and and now you pass away so you technically owe the insurance company three hundred thousand but the, the policy is for a million dollars well, when they pay the policy out, they're going to deduct a 300 from the million. So 700,000 is paid tax-free to the corporation, which is fine. That's only fair. But the interesting thing is 
the CDA credit is still for the million. It's not for the 700,000. So 700,000 goes tax-free to the corporation. Million dollar is the CDA credit. So this means 700,000 can come out of that CDA credit plus an additional $300,000 worth of corporate assets. So if you had 300,000 sitting there already, you could literally take out the life insurance plus the 300,000, again, saving you a significant amount of tax. Right. And I believe in your previous talks that I've attended, you gave the example of, let's say, properties or a cottage. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, let's say I own my primary residence, but I also own a cottage. Mm -hmm. Now, at my passing, I'm going to sell the primary residence. There's no tax on the capital gains of the primary residence. But there's tax, tax yeah, on the cottage, yeah. right? There's, there's tax on the capital gains on the cottage. Now, this CDA, this 300000 that you're talking about, could be used to negate that capital gain when I sell that cottage. Yeah, it can be applied to any corporate asset, uh, which, which can include property. So as long as the cottage is owned by the corporation or by a holding company, you could apply the CDA to that. But many people have the cottage or rental properties or that sort of thing corporately owned as well. So absolutely, it doesn't have to be cash. And, and to your point about the cottage, one of the, the biggest reasons cottages can't be passed down to the next generation is because the capital gains are too large. There wasn't enough planning behind it. You know, maybe the grandparents or the parents bought it in the 80s for $150,000 and now the cottage is worth $1.5 So there's a massive capital gain, you know, and it becomes unaffordable to, to come up with that if proper planning wasn't... Uh, wasn't put in place. So it, it's a huge problem. And something like this is a solution. It's significant. I would always imagine if someone could have the option to have a credit or not, I don't see why you wouldn't want it. If you have assets in the court, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's almost like if you could, if you're getting paid salary and you could have some tax-free salary for a little bit, I don't know why you wouldn't want to save on the taxes, right? Just to wrap things up here, here's what I took out out of our discussion today and from what I understand. One, you can only get the CDA account if you're incorporated or you have a corporation. Yes. This is a notional account. It actually doesn't have cash in it. It gives you a credit. As you engage in those four activities that you've talked about, then you build up credit. When you build the credit, that credit is there. It never goes away. And when you have built up that credit, you can take assets and funds and money out of your corporation up to that credit amount without being taxed. So if it happens to be 500 grand, then you can take 500 grand without being taxed. If it happens to be a million, it's a million. If it happens to be 10 million, you can take up to $10 million of asset out of your company and use those credits to negate the taxes on that. Am I right in understanding that? You're going to take over my job. You nailed it. That's exactly right. Well, you know what? I, I, don't, have the, I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the expertise. <laughs> and I definitely don't have the hair to go with it. <laughs> but looking at this, this is a powerful, powerful tax planning tool. It's, it is. And there's no better way to say that. Uh, when it comes to estate planning and corporations and hold codes, this has to be considered. It, it absolutely has to be considered. Your accountant would be familiar with it. Your lawyer would be familiar with it. Um, as far as the, the, uh, 
you know, inclusion of the life insurance and the formulas, you should speak to someone in the life insurance industry who really knows how to plan for this. But together that, that team, accountant, lawyer, life insurance, you know, they'll put a good plan together for you for sure. Right. Now, out of the four ways to create that credit, it's it sounds to me like getting life insurance will serve many, many purposes. One, it's that basic death insurance that we talked about. Mm -hmm. There's also that cash value, that saving inside a interest-free vehicle. Mm -hmm. There is a opportunity to use the cash value as it grows, but now it also adds to your CDA account. So in my perspective, life insurance is a very, very tax efficient tool. It, it absolutely is. It's one of the, uh, the last remaining tax-free assets that, I mean, a corporation can own. There's next to none almost. So it's, uh, it's something to, con to strongly consider, I would suggest. And now, and now with this CDA tool, life insurance in combination with this CDA account makes uh, tax uh, strategy planning even more important for physicians, doctors, dentists, high income owners, small business owners. Yeah, it, it's a win-win. It's it's absolutely a win-win. And the, and the one thing that I think is uh, unfortunate is that physicians and other people who incorporate professionally, they incorporate and they use their retained earnings to use in one way and the other way. And they talk about salary versus dividend. I don't want to minimize that, but they stop at that. They don't push the, the strategy forward in how to maximize the CDA account. And so for me, this particular podcast allows us to talk about that and use the CDA at its maximum, maximum efficiency. Absolutely. The biggest tax bill most people will face is going to be in their estate. So to have a tool to help with that, um, I mean, it's, uh, it becomes almost a no-brainer. Got it. No-brainer. So incorporate, but don't stop there. Figure out how to maximize your CDA account. That's it. Well, thank you very much, Michael. Um, before we end this podcast, is there anything else that you wanted to say that is burning on your chest that must be said before we close the, the podcast? As in anything, look at your options, really do some research. Um, don't just stop kind of uh, at step one. Um, there's a lot of value out there and just, yeah, really look into your options for sure. Good. Lock it, look into your options. And I think you wanted to say you didn't say it, I'll say it, is you don't know what you don't know, so you better go learn what you should know. That's it. There you go. Okay. You go. Well, thank you very much, Michael, for your help and for your expertise today. Thank you. I appreciate it. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.